You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. This week, life finds a way. Or we move in herds. Or we're breeding raptors. Or hold on to your butts. Or whatever other Jurassic Park reference you'd like to make because it's dinosaurs this week. You can find the dinosaurs on page 79 of the 5th edition Monster Manual. Normally at this point I give a brief summary of what the monster is, but um, I hope you know what a dinosaur is. Dinosaurs are a weird creature in D&D. They've existed for longer than I thought, but they kind of are almost from a different genre. Like you don't usually see a dinosaur in a kind of high fantasy story. They're kind of this like weird interloper from like pulp paperback fiction, right? You expect to see a dinosaur in something like Doc Savage or whatever, not necessarily here in Lord of the Rings. 5th edition has, what, six different types of dinosaur in it. There is the Allosaurus, which is the CR2 large beast. It's got a pounce attack that knocks you prone and then lets them make an extra bite attack. The Ankylosaurus is a CR3 huge beast with a clubbing tail that knocks you prone. The Plesiosaurus is a CR2 large beast with a stealth bonus and hold breath and a bite attack. The Pterodon is a CR1 quarter medium beast with flyby and bite attack. The Triceratops is a CR5 huge beast with trampling charge, gore, and stomp. And of course, the Tyrannosaur is a CR8 huge beast with multi-attack. It's the only one that has multi-attack. Uh, its bite grapples you, and then it also has a tail attack. It's interesting that these are basically beasts, which are normally um, kind of relegated to the back of the book. That's where you're going to find lions and bears and giant eagles and things like that. But the dinosaurs are special. They get their own section here, kind of with the rest of the big boys. And I, I don't know how I feel. Like, I like dinosaurs. I think your world just sort of has to account for where did they come from and why are they here, even in a world with things like bullets and owl bears, but that is something we will cover in a little bit. We're going to start with the history of the terror lizards in Dungeons and Dragons, starting in first edition. I have learned that most of my instincts about Dungeons and Dragons as history as it pertains to its monsters is usually wrong. Creatures I assume are old school tend to be more recent and creatures I assume are more recent tend to be old school. And I was surprised to discover how many dinosaurs are in earlier editions. Actually, the later editions have substantially fewer dinosaurs than first and second. First edition in the Monster Manual has an absolute pile of them. They're very short entries, but it's like three straight pages of different types of dinosaur, which is bananas to me. I have the full list here. I don't even know half of these. I'm going to read them off. We have the Anatosaurus, the Allosaurus, the Brontosaurus, the Archleon Iskyrus, which is apparently a giant turtle, a Brachiosaurus, a Camarasaurus, a Ceterosaurus, a Cetiosaurus, Denichthyus, which is apparently a fish, Diplodocus, Elasmosaurus, Gorgosaurus, Iguanodon, Lambeosaurus, Megalosaurus, Monoclonius, Mosasaurus, Paleocinus, Pentaceratops, Plateosaurus, Plesiosaurus, Pterodon, Stegosaurus, Styracosaurus, Teratosaurus, Triceratops, and Tyrannosaurus. 
apologies to all the paleontologists for all those dinosaur names that I butchered, but think about that. Think about how many dinosaurs that is. Who needs that much? It's, it's absurd. Half of those are, like, unrecognizable to a modern audience. They do also make a point in first edition that they are extremely stupid and that they will do anything for food which seems like not very much lore, but it's honestly kind of more lore than 5e gives them. They give a couple of examples of, like, a plesiosaur, like, attacking a ship, trying to get at the food in its hold. Having them be completely food-minded actually gives them a little bit of personality that I sort of miss in 5th edition. 2nd edition is basically the same. They actually cut down on the number of dinosaurs in that edition, but it's still substantially more than in later editions. In 3rd edition, they do appear in the Monster Manual again, and they only feature five different types of dinosaurs, which I think is much more reasonable. Denonicus, which is basically a mo the modern conception of a Velociraptor. Elasmosaurus, Megaraptor, which, you know, okay. Triceratops, and Tyrannosaurus. The one thing I did remember about 3rd edition before I went and looked it up is that there is some boss-ass art of a Tyrannosaur that shows one, like, routing the squad of knights and, like, stepping on one of the knight's chargers. And it's this great, like, you know, mindfuck juxtaposition of, like, this armored platoon of knights getting just absolutely curb-stomped by a T-Rex. Feels so, like, you know, 8th grade kid with his action figures that I, I love it. Now, in 4th edition controversially, they were called behemoths, which I actually kind of like. Rather than calling them things like Elasmosaurus or Pterodon, they gave them more kind of in-fantasy names. They were tragically, of course, part of that kind of fourth edition compound name style. So it was things like Mace Tail Behemoth and Blood Spike Behemoth. It's very fourth edition. But like, I don't know, I kind of liked it. It sort of separates them from the modern conception of a dinosaur. Fourth edition, though, really did not have a lot of them. It was a cool idea, but they didn't really iterate on it very much. There were two in the Monster Manual, the Stegosaurus and the Ankylosaurus, so the Mace Tail and the Blood Spike. And then the Monster Manual 3 had three more, had the Bone Crown, which is my personal favorite dinosaur, the Pachycephalosaurus, the one that, you know, bangs its head against another one. And then they had the skin wing and the spire horn, which I believe are meant to be obviously like a pterodon and then a triceratops. It's crazy to me that they never made a raptor or a tyrannosaur in fourth edition. Like how, who's making a pachycephalosaurus, but not a T-Rex? Like, what are you doing? And in fourth edition, like this is well past Jurassic Park. Like what, what is going on? Very crazy. And that's the history of them. They're obviously here now in 5th edition in a much more standard way. They're back to calling them dinosaurs, which we'll talk about. Um, but they have really had a varied history across the editions. You know, a rebranding and, and kind of a scaling back. And, you know, D&D's kind of grappled with how they feel about them. But next up, we're going to talk about the ways that they do the dinosaurs right in 5th edition. Now, obviously, it's no first edition in terms of variety, but I think 5e does a really nice job of striking a balance between, like, the way, the excesses of first and second edition, and then the poverty of fourth edition in terms of how many dinosaurs to feature. And it's a good variety of different types of dinosaur, which I think is important. Um, but there is no Stegosaurus, a Brontosaurus, or, or again, like a, a raptor, whether that's a, a Velociraptor or a, you know, a Megaraptor or a Denonicus or whatever. Those are the three I think they're really missing, but it's a nice it's a nice mix. So you've got your predators, you've got your herbivores, and then you've got your kind of specialty ones, like a pterodon and a plesiosaur, to get flying and swimming, respectively. So I think it's a good mix. I think it's a nice representative sample. I wouldn't mind a few more, but, you know, I bet they knew they were going to do Tomb of Annihilation coming up soon, and so they thought, like, okay, we'll save a few of these for that book, and that's where you're going to see the sauropod and the stegosaurus and, of course, the Denonicus. One of the coolest things about the dinosaurs is that they are mechanically of the beast type, 
which means that they are valid wild shapes for druids. You'd have to get around the, you know, a beast that they've seen before rule, which is, I think, how a lot of dungeon masters do it. But theoretically, yeah, if a druid has a reason to encounter a triceratops, then they can turn into one once they get high enough level to get that CR. I think that's cool. Like, I think there's, again, something very eighth grade about, like, I want to turn into a dinosaur, you know, especially in a context where maybe a dinosaur isn't the normal kind of monster you would see. Wolves and bears and, you know, uh, giant hyenas can get a little boring. And so I love the idea of turning into a dinosaur to add a little bit of extra, extra spice is fun. Now, mechanically, most of the dinosaurs are pretty simple, so I don't have a lot of positive to say about them. I would say the Tyrannosaur is probably the most usable as a monster. It's not incredible. It's got, you know, some multi-attack. It's got a good bite. It's got, you know, the tail. But it's definitely the scariest one, and especially if you're looking for a wild shape, like we mentioned earlier, the Tyrannosaur is kind of your bread and butter. That's probably my favorite mechanical design, but I would still say it's a pretty simple design, so it's not really a positive, but I had to pick out the dinosaur that I liked mechanically the best. So that kind of leads us then into our next topic, which are the ways we think the 5th edition does the dinosaur dirty, and we're going to talk about that next. Now, I alluded to this earlier, but there is almost no lore or other explanation for, like, the dinosaur's existence in this sort of world of dragons and magic. Like, if the conceit of a dinosaur is that this is a prehistoric monster, a monster that existed before humanity then how is it contiguous with humanity? Obviously, you know, evolution is not typically a main staple of a lot of fantasy worlds, but it just sort of presents this question of like, are they just geographically bonded? Like, that's kind of how they do them in FR. Like, they tend to live in Chult. And I think they're in Mastica, which is a kind of Western Hemisphere continent on Toriel. But there's not really a good explanation as to how to incorporate them here or why they might be around. Like, why wouldn't these huge monsters be dominating the landscape? You know, obviously there's dragons and stuff, but if you have to have, like, a, a Tyrannosaur and an Owlbear competing for resources, like, obviously the Tyrannosaur is going to do better. You know, are they are they limited to, like, jungle climates? Are they limited to places where cold-blooded creatures can live? There's just not a lot of, it, like, lore or justification for them being included in this, again, kind of genre-bendy sort of a way. So I would like a little bit more narrative to engage on. Like, I love dinosaurs, but I would feel weird plopping one right into the middle of my kind of, like, high fantasy campaign. Even if it's not set in your kind of boring boilerplate you know, European history, it still feels a little weird to suddenly have, all right, here's a velociraptor if we're doing, you know, whether it's a Mesoamerican campaign or it's a, a Middle Eastern sort of desert campaign, to suddenly just say dinosaurs also feels a little strange. I know Eberron gets around this by saying that they're native to a particular region, but Eberron also has that very pulp feeling, so that I don't think that's as out of place in Eberron as it is in somewhere like the Forgotten Realms or your sort of bog standard homebrew world. My second problem, of course, is that they're just boring to run. Like, they are functionally just beasts. I think one reason for that might be because they anticipate that players are going to use them as wild shapes. So they don't want to, like, give them some crazy powers. They're going to overbalance a druid who is already pretty powerful. But the problem is, is that then... I, as a dungeon master, get excited about the concept of running a dinosaur, but then look at how they work mechanically and I'm just underwhelmed. It's not particularly enticing to look at the dinosaur and say, oh yeah, I really want to run this. Again, this is a complaint that we have said about 90% of the monsters in the Monster Manual so far, so it's hardly unique to them, but I think it's especially bad here because they are thinking of them as just kind of like big dumb brutes that don't like deserve a unique mechanic. And that's my third thing. There is no unifying mechanic to the dinosaur. This isn't really something 5th edition cares about. I, as a dungeon master, really like to telegraph 
to the players, okay, all monsters of this sort of type or of this affiliation are going to have similar kinds of abilities. So you're going to expect a lot of aberrations to have kind of mind-altering powers and to deal psychic damage. It's something we did with our demons, right? Like we specifically went through the demons and said, I want a unifying mechanic for all of them. What makes these demons as opposed to devils or angels or any other type of monster, right? So I would love to see a unifying mechanic for dinosaurs. They might not be as fantastical as a demon, but they definitely do have their own flavor and their own thing that they're adding to the story. I think we could beef that up with some kind of a unifying mechanic. And that's the first thing we'll talk about for improvements then, naturally, is what is a good unifying mechanic. The reason I'm thinking of this is that I also play a lot of Magic the Gathering, another Wizards product, and in a previous set of Magic, dinosaurs were a big component in the, in the sort of Ixalan block. And they have a cool mechanic called Rampage, and I, I find Magic is often better at designing evocative mechanics than D&D, which is crazy because they have so much less space on these little cards, right? But dinosaurs all had a power called Rampage, where whenever they took damage, it triggered some other effect. Again, that sort of Jurassic Park idea of them being these kind of voracious monsters. Is that really how most dinosaurs are? I don't know. But these are fantasy dinosaurs. They're not real dinosaurs, right? They don't have any feathers, uh, for one thing. And so some kind of a mechanic like that could be cool, right? Whenever they take damage, there's a chance they can do this thing. Makes them a lot more dangerous and unpredictable in a fight. Like, imagine you know, an ankylosaurus that could make a club attack whenever it takes damage. So now you don't really want to get close to it. You want to stay out of the range of its club, which kind of gives you that sense of, like, Jurassic Park, like, this huge lumbering creature that's dangerous to approach if you know that by attacking it in melee you're going to get punished, right? Maybe it's as simple as that, that they all get, like, a free basic attack whenever they get hit with melee so the T-Rex can stomp on you and the ankylosaurus can, can bonk you with its tail, you know, whatever it is. Some kind of a unifying mechanic to spread across all the dinosaurs. You know, maybe the pterosaur can fly, can like reposition or something. Maybe the elasmosaurus can dive. Just doing something unique whenever it takes damage might be an interesting way to do it. And it's kind of a nice little nod to magic as well. Kind of part and parcel with that, a lot of these dinosaurs don't have interesting combat tricks, like they're just a bite attack and a move speed. Apart from the Tyrannosaur, which basically works, even if it's a little boring, the Triceratops and the Allosaurus Maybe the pterosaur kind of come close with, like, trample and flyby attack. I find that pounce and trample are kind of uninteresting powers because they tend to incentivize that initial hit, right? You charge in and you dump everything and you hope that you deal enough damage to kind of shock the party into maybe knocking someone unconscious in one turn, which is cool, but then you're out of juice, right? There's no good way to deal with that after that point. So maybe all you would need to do is introduce a Rampage-style mechanic to make them consistently interesting, but a lot of these powers, once they kind of fire, fire them off, aren't that interesting because they're going to get tied up in melee, right? So making sure that each one has some kind of interesting combat trick. I think that the Ankylosaurus and the Plesiosaur are sort of the worst defenders here because they're literally just one kind of attack and that's it. There's not a lot here to recommend for them. So make sure that they have some preferred strategy. You know, the Plesiosaur can bite you and then drag you underwater. Could be kind of interesting, right? To give it sort of a Jaws vibe. The Ankylosaurus, you know, could maybe do, like, a turtle thing where it can, it can, you know, as a bonus action, not retreat, obviously, but, like, sort of bulk down a little bit and use its its armor plates. Also, its armor class is way too low, considering that this is, like, the armored dinosaur. And then lastly, just to be a troll, I would change the name back to Behemoth. I think it's interesting, and I like the idea that the people in a Dungeons & Dragons world wouldn't use Latin and arrive at the same names that we would. So I think it's kind of weird to say Plesiosaur, 
because we don't speak Latin, we speak these other languages. So I'm okay with changing them to make it feel a little bit more fantasy. Sue me. I liked what 4th edition did. I'm a 4th edition apologist. And with that, that is the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to see how we redesign these dinosaurs, feel free to swing by the stream Thursdays at 2 p.m. on our YouTube channel, and you can kind of help us redesign uh, these awesome new dinosaurs. Next week, we'll be back with the first in our ongoing Devils series. We'll be tackling the three weakest devils, so make sure that you, uh, you tune in next time. But until then, thank you so much for listening, you clever girls. And as always, happy adventuring. See? Jurassic Park. Did you guys know Jurassic Park has dinosaurs in it? Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter at ProDMTimothy. If you like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Even $1 a month gets you access to the redesigned monsters that we discuss here on the show. You can find us at patreon.com slash ProDM. You can catch those monster redesigned streams Thursdays at 2 p.m. PST on our YouTube channel. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, used under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.